Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 20th, 2015. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading the first paragraph of page 157, beginning with two days later, through three paragraphs ending, I can't understand it. So we will we'll be reading the first two paragraphs for context only, and we will focus our sharing on the third paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Natasha G., the 12 Traditions, Janice B., and our readers for the text will be Rebecca F., Elaine B., and Anita J. The reference number for Wednesday, August 19, 2015, is 7934. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive behavior, food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers at a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Natasha G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Natasha G., compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Natasha G. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 traditions. Janice? Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. in Vermont, recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and COA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Janice B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying, pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 157, beginning at the top of the page with two days later and reading reading through three paragraphs 
ending, I can't understand it. The first two paragraphs for context only, and we will focus our share on the third paragraph. I will now ask Rebecca F. to begin reading. Good morning. Two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared glassily at the strangers beside his bed. Who are you fellows, and why this private room? I was always in a ward before. So, said one of the visitors, we're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. Hopelessness was written large on the man's face as he replied, oh, but that's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. The last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. I'm afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. I'm Rebecca F. from Connecticut, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be here. And um, what jumped out at me in this paragraph, this last paragraph that I read, is uh, the word hopelessness. And um, another word for hopelessness is desperation. And we learn in this program that we have to be desperate for some reason in order to be willing to pick up the spiritual toolkit that's laid at our feet and uh, try this method of recovery after we've tried so many other things that haven't worked. And so um, as awful as it sounds for Bill D, alcoholic number three, um, it turns out that hopelessness is actually um, a gift um, because he's, you know, desperate enough to listen to what these people have to say and um, they bring good tidings. It's, It's something new, something other than what he's tried time and time again that hasn't worked. And specifically, he's tried being hospitalized, um, whether it was by his own choice or he got put there. Um, Apparently, for many of us, compulsive overeaters and addicts of all sorts, even hospitalization and care from the medical profession does not solve our problem. Um, It's working with a fellow alcoholic and learning what is written in this book and following these directions while our substance and behaviors that trigger that um, need to interact with our um, addictive substance uh, are down. And so um, for him at this moment, the um, substance is down and he's ripe and ready to embark on this program of recovery due to his hopelessness. And um, as far as not being able to understand it, by speaking with these people, we'll find out that, um, of course, he didn't understand it because he kept trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, but it wasn't the right remedy for him. And... uh, they have the remedy, and um, they can explain it to him in a way that he does understand. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca S. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? 
This is Kim. Okay, I heard Larry. I heard Kim. Janice B. Janice. Melissa C. Melissa. Melissa R. Melissa R. Let's go with those. Kim, can you begin with us? Is that Kim G? If it's not Kim G, please don't hesitate. Just give me the correct last initial. I heard a Kim. Okay, I must have misheard that. Larry, would you like to go? And Janice B, you'll be up next. <laughs> sure. Uh, Sally, thanks so much for your service. Uh, Larry Larry K. from Chicago Recovered. Um, so, you know, here, um, just a bit, of, a bit of history on this, this guy, um, AA number three, of course, you know, we're talking about uh, Bill Dotson, you know, it's, and it's helpful for me in understanding the depths of which this disease can take us is understanding a bit of the history. You know, he um, first, you know, this guy was one of five children born, um, was born on a farm in Kentucky. His parents were well to do, and he, he recalled having a, you know, a happy childhood. There was no alcoholism, you know, in his home. In fact, his parents, you know, had a good marriage, he said, and so there, were, there was nothing in his childhood to account for this alcoholic mind that we, you know, we learn about that he had. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, his parents were against drinking. And you know, he completed law school, um, was a city councilman in, in the Akron area for five years. And yet, despite having no excuse to explain his alcoholism, this man was completely cut down by his drinking before this encounter with uh with Bill and Dr. Bob and 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 he recounted how his drinking became progressively worse over time and I can relate to that and during the first 6 months of of 1935 you know Bill Dotson was hospitalized 8 times for intoxication and he said normally you know he'd be shackled to his his hospital bed for you know 2 to 3 days before he even knew he was there and, and each of the, the seven previous times, he was eventually released from the hospital, and he was fully determined not to get, uh, get drunk again. Now, that I can relate to, because after each major binge, you know, during the end of my, you know, my road to destruction here, um, I meant it when I, when I promised myself that, that this time, you know, I mean business. I wasn't kidding. And I was to learn what, what Bill Dodson learned, that only a spiritual awakening would relieve me of the ism of the alcoholic mind. Um, and, and he was eventually provided with a specific instruction about the program of action. And he remembers, uh, I love where it says he, he remembers hearing Bill Wilson turn to Dr. Bob and say, well, I, I believe he's worth saving and working on. And then they asked him if he wanted to quit drinking. You know, someone asked me if I wanted to quit eating. And then followed by the next question, do you think you, 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 know, you can quit of your own accord? And so wrapping up, you know, that, that's, it's just so important um, that we understand who we are. And the history is really important to me that I can relate, that I'm just another link in the chain here. Um, thank God for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Larry Kay and Janice B., it's your turn. Melissa C., you'll be up next. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. in Vermont, recovered compulsive overeater. And what what um, struck out to me in in this paragraph was um, 
that's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. And the last three times, and, and I started thinking, I've been in and out of OA for over 25 years, and I had reached that point of um, knowing I was powerless many, many times. And I, I'm thinking, what what was different this this last time? And that I came in maybe four four years ago, and um, I knew, I knew as soon as the thought crossed my mind that I was a goner because I had, I had been trying to control it, trying to control food, and I just knew that whenever that thought crossed my mind that I, I was, I I had lost, I, and the thought just had crossed my mind, and 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 I knew I would pick up eventually. And so I I looked at my history. I finally like got honest and looked at at the history of 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 my compulsive overeating and my my inability to control food. And that coupled with my life was totally unmanageable. Um, I knew that that I was ripe and ready for the message. I, I what I needed was a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. That that food food was a problem, but also my living, the way I was managing my life was a big problem. And um, and I needed help, and that I was powerless, and um, and so I I can relate to I'm a goner. I related to I'm a goner in a really deep way, um, and uh, by God's grace, I heard the message of the Big Book and the Twelve Steps. And I'm very grateful. And I pass. Thanks, Janice B. And Melissa C., it's your turn. And Nessa, you'll be up next. Hi. Good morning, Sally. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, hopeless, nothing to fix me. I'm a goner, afraid to go out the door, and can't understand it. You know, that's how I was when I first crawled into the rooms. I could barely make eye contact. I was just so beaten down by this. I couldn't understand it. And I really just wanted to have some understanding. I thought if I understood it, I could fix it. Um, You know, I could not stop eating once I started, and I couldn't keep from starting. I was either dieting or binging. And um, I couldn't imagine that there could come a day when I did neither. I just I wanted to be thin so badly, and yet I had no power to put the food down. Um, and every Monday was a promise of a diet. I was going to finally, I was going to fix myself. Um, and yet, like this man, would get drunk on the way home. I was finishing um, easily by the weekend, but most of the time, even before Monday was over, I was binging again. And, you know, as my disease progressed, I couldn't even start on a Monday. I couldn't I couldn't start on a regular Monday, let me say. It had to be a Monday after a holiday. 
because there was always a day looming in my mind that was a good reason to eat, and I couldn't start before that. Um, you know, the 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 um, hurdle that I had to jump over and over again to get myself started, I, I was making higher and higher, um, and yet I was always promising myself um, that I was going to get, I was going to get control of this, um, and I couldn't understand how um, someone that was reasonably intelligent and had a good life, you know, on paper, um, was doing this to herself. Um, and, you know, and so just the same way that he was met by people, you know, who were recovered, um, I was met by people who were recovered, who um, came to me um, and gave me treatment, you know, for this problem. And when I first started listening to A Vision for You, um, I had been in the rooms and I was I was struggling with that. And what drew me to the message here was I heard people say that they were recovered, not recovering, and um, there was so much promise in that. And so, you know, for people that are out there listening um, who are wondering, um, yay, if you're hopeless, hooray, that's exactly you know, where we need to be so that the transformation can happen, you know, and it happens for me. And um, thank you, Abel Pat. Thank you, Melissa C. And Nessa, you're up, and I'll jump in after you. Hi, good morning. Yes, I was unmuting. My name is Vanessa R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And this paragraph is such a, to me, a classic step one, um, and it's very reminiscent of, of Bill's. Um, you know, he was he was treated in Towns Hospital for four times, the last three times by Dr. Solkworth, and yet, um, you know, he, he, he didn't get it. And so um, in page eight, right before um, um, Eddie shows up at his doorstep, he says, you know, quicksand stretched around me in all directions that had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. And then he concludes um, his step one upon, um, upon uh, meeting Abby in page 11. He says, God has done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Um, like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. And this is such a classic step one. And, and you know, we got to get to this place, to this recognition that, that we are overwhelmed that alcohol is our master, that, um, you know, we have to admit complete defeat, that we're hopeless, that we are goners. Otherwise, like, why would we come into the rooms? Why would we have to do all this tremendous amount of work? Like, it takes hours in a day, you know, to, you know, to pray and meditate, to do step tens, to work with others, you know, um, call other people, reach out, uh, do sexual calls, um, you know, go to meetings. It just takes hours and hours and hours. Uh, if something else had worked for me, I, I wouldn't have been here. If the diet that I tried, if the uh, therapy that I went to uh, would have worked, there is no way that I would have to, um, that I would even consider investing all this time and effort. But, you know, like this guy says here, nothing would fix fix me. I am a goner. You know, um, I have no hope. There, there's nothing else for me but, but this, um, and I do it 
willingly and happily one day at a time, but I know that I'll have to keep doing this in order for me to remain recovered. And you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way because um, if a diet had worked, if therapy had worked, I would have continued on living the same meaningless life that I was living, you know, bulldozing my way through people's lives, you know, eating my way through situations, and then, of course, dieting to, to, uh, to, deal, with the, to deal with the aftermath of whatever I had eaten. Um, but now, now I, I, I live a, a God-centered life. I live in harmony with my family. I live in harmony with the world. Um, you know, it's, and I live a, a meaningful life. There's nothing more meaningful um, than feeling useful because I'm helping others. Um, I just, I just wouldn't trade this for anything in the world. So it's a good thing that I'm a goner. And with that, I, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. And I'm going to jump in here. It's Sally A, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And um, so these are, this is another um, really important paragraph. Beginning with hopelessness was written large on the man's face as he replied. And I want to just speak, first of all, to hopelessness written large on the man's face. Did you know that words are only 7% of our communication? That our facial expression is 37% of how we communicate what's going on inside? We have another form of, of our communication is our tone of voice, our body language, our eyes, you know, whether we roll our eyes or there's peace in our eyes. Some people say the eyes are the windows of the soul. You can see so much in the eyes. And then our posturing, there's all different forms of communication. And here they're telling us that hopelessness, it's written on this guy's face. Can you imagine what he looked like? He didn't have to say a word. The hopelessness that he had, he was downcast. He was downtrodden. Oh, but that's no use. Nothing would fix me. Sure, nothing would fix him because he's reached the end of self. Finally, thank goodness. Hopelessness and that he recognizes that nothing would fix him. I'm a goner. Then number two, it says, the last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. I'm afraid to go out the door. And, and picking up on page eight, um, Bill's story when he left that hospital, and we, we just heard a piece of it spoken, but going to the next paragraph on page eight, it says, trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Do you know how many times I thought that my fear was going to help me get well? I really thought that fear could fix me. But fear was not going to fix me because, you see, that fear that sobered him for a bit was still his own reasoning skill, his own, his own uh, re self-reliance. And it's not going to fix us, the self-reliance or, or the, uh, the reasoning skills. And it goes on to say, the last three times I got drunk on the way home from here, I'm afraid to go out the door. And here he says, I can't understand it. This guy is a lawyer. You know, pages 53 through 55, it talks about us reaching the end of ourselves and our reasoning skill. We can't reason our way out of this. When it says I can't understand it, it speaks to the cunning, baffling, powerful nature of this illness that we can't reason our way out of. We can't get ourselves out of the box. We can't get ourselves out of the quicksand. Ultimately, it boils down to a surrendering to something outside of me, and, and fortunately, I, I love the way it says it on page 569, 
uh, Dr. Kennedy, which gives us, you know, an overview of the herd, that we need the herd, we need each other, and we need a spiritual transformation. And with that, I, sh- I guess, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Rekhesset? Reva P. Reva P. Lindy I'm sorry, what was that? Lindy L-I-N-G-Y. I'd like to share too. L-I-N-G-Y. Lindy? No, L-I-S-T-Y. I'm so sorry. I'm not, I'm not hearing you clearly. I'm going to go with Lindsay, and we'll fix, I'll fix it later. Please forgive me. I'm just having a hard time hearing the name. So let's go with Rakefit. Oh, it's Lindy. It's Lindy. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Rakefit, then Janice, M, then Reba P, and then Lindy F. Let's go with those. Rakefit. Thank you, Sally. My name is Rakefit Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And I came into OA 17 years ago, and I didn't have any idea what it was about. And actually, I went into a strict offshoot of OA, and I never knew anything about any 12-step program or anything. But when I came into the rooms, I became so hopeful. At the meetings I went to, only abstinent people could share, and there were a lot of people sharing about losing a significant amount of weight and keeping it off and how their lives had changed. And I was so hopeful. I was so hopeful that maybe, maybe I could, you know, I could do the same thing. And I couldn't. And I tried and tried and tried. I worked that program really hard. All the tools, you know, I did everything that I was supposed to do. I'm a, I'm a good student. And I would have bouts of abstinence, but I'd always go back into the food. And for 15 years, I'd do that, back into the food. You know, maybe I got a year of abstinence once, but then I'd go back to the food, or several months, or several weeks. And every time I went back into the food, I felt more and more hopeless. I felt, God, there's nowhere else to go. I know there's nowhere else to go, and I know the answer is here, but I just I just can't find it. I can't. And I don't know what I, you know, I felt so bad every time, every time as the 15 years went by, I felt more and more bad. And um, I I knew there was nowhere else to go, like I said, so I stayed and I persevered. And God has given me that gift of perseverance. But um, I just tried and tried and tried, and I didn't know what else to do until I came to a vision for you. And then I heard... I heard the message to work the steps as I go out in the big book, to work the steps in the big book, go through the big book. And that was, that gave me so much hope. That was, wow, maybe, maybe that would work. And I got, you know, I got off to a bad start, a couple of bad starts with it. But when I was so desperate at the end of my rope, my back was against the wall, my hands were up, then I really grasped the 12 steps and work through them with a sponsor. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. I am so, so grateful. And I love to let other people know about that, that I persevered and for 15 years. And I, I, I never thought, I never thought I would be comfortably abstinent because when I was abstinent those 15 years, it was always white knuckling, always a very, very difficult abstinence to maintain. And eventually I couldn't maintain it. So, um, 
I love this program. I love this meeting and uh, the big book. And I'm just so grateful. I am so grateful that I found God. I found God when I came to Vision for You. I really found God. And it's the best thing in my life. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Sally? Sally, star one. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Janice M. And then Reba P., you're up next. Yeah, thank you, Sally. Thank you. My name is Janice M., and good morning to everyone. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes, we talk about this paragraph, hopelessness. I Oh, boy, was I there. I would say, there's no use. There's no use anymore, you know, because I, you know, I, I tried this, but in the back of my head, I still had my uh, slight reservation that I, I could be able to do this, you see. But, um, and then, of course, I said, oh, it's seemingly hopeless. Now, on, on page XIII, the forward to the first edition, I have to remember that Bill and Bob were recovered, so they had the experience. So they could tell the the hopelessness on his face. I mean, because they experienced it themselves, because they were seemingly hopeless too. You see, but you know, of course, this Bill D didn't know. He didn't understand that. But the boys did. You know, I call them the boys. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So we seem hopeless, but seemingly doesn't mean necessarily so. And, of course, I had all kinds of comparing, you know, here's Bill D. I, I would say in the beginning, oh, Bill D., he was hospitalized eight times. Gee, I wasn't that bad. You know, I started comparing. I wasn't that bad. I wasn't hospitalized. So maybe I'm not like, maybe I'm not really a compulsive overeater. These are things that, that because my mind is sick, you know, before I was recovered, and, of course, we know I had no more faith. Oh, I don't even have my timer on. We have no more faith. I had no more faith in myself. That's why I couldn't understand it. I, I just couldn't. And, you know, I needed the spirit of understanding to enlighten my mind, you know, that because, because the diseased mind can't heal a diseased mind. You know, we've heard that. A sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. That's why he couldn't understand it. He could not understand it. Okay, um, I'm going to pass with that. Thank you, Janice M. And Reba P., you're up. And Lindy S., you'll be next. Good morning. This is Reba P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I'm going to be echoing um, a lot of what's already been said, but the parts I wanted to share on were the concepts of hopelessness and understanding it. Um, And, you know, those... um, two uh, phrases remind me that this is not a medical program, otherwise his repeated hospitalizations would have done the trick, and this is not an academic or intellectual program because, like this guy, I was smart. Um, I did well in school, and with all my analysis, with all my trying to figure it out, there was no way I could understand it. This is not about logic. Um, it, it doesn't make sense at all that I could be sane 
and functioning one minute like the lawyer and then be the Jekyll and Hyde where I'm binging my face off in a crazy woman when I close the door to my apartment and can't get enough um, sugar and flour in my body um, until I fall asleep uh, stoned or drunk with it. Um, and, you know, it also reminds me about step one, as has already been shared, the gift of desperation. And I need to remember that on a daily basis. It's not just a one-shot thing. Because for me, I still have this tendency because of my thinking to try to figure things out and come up with my own answers. And we have a um, family meeting with one of my mother's specialists. And this morning I was starting to be afraid, just like this guy. Um, And thank you, God. I know now that the doctor is not God. My higher power or God is God and he's in charge. Um, Otherwise, I walk around afraid. Um, So I don't understand, I don't know the solution when I'm alone in my head. Um, And I'm not supposed to, because step one is I can't, or sometimes I go to the place of I'm screwed. But step two is maybe not. Maybe there's a higher power, Um, I know there's a higher power, who has the answer, especially when I can't see it, when I don't know it. That's my turning point to remember, get out of myself and ask. And who do I ask? I don't ask Reva um, because I'll go around in circles and never come up with anything. I ask God and it doesn't make sense, but it works. That's all and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Lindy F., you'll be our last share on this paragraph, and we'll move on. Lindy. Thanks for letting me share. Um, I just, um, there's a lot to say, but uh, what struck me or stood out for me is, um, do I want to stop eating compulsively? Do I want to stay stopped? Do I want to not eat compulsively today? Yes. And can I do it on my own? No. And um, that we rely on uh, a spiritual, higher power, spiritual solution, which is not alone in my head, which is my um, my fallback. Or it's not even my fallback. It's like kind of my first choice. Um, but it's not obviously a good place, and and that we get, I get um, my spiritual solution from steps, tools, fellowship is the way I access, I think, my higher power. Um, and Okay, I I guess that was fast. I'm so sorry. I'm having a hard time hearing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask Elaine B. to come and share with us the next paragraph. Read for us and share the next paragraph on page 157, beginning with for an hour. Thank you, Michelle. This is Elaine B. recovered in Massachusetts. For an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences. Over and over, he would say, that's me, that's me. I drink like that. And 
So as I said, I am recovered in Massachusetts. Thank you, God. And how did that happen? How did that happen? I came into OA in 2010, having dabbled in it before but never committed, After right after I got engaged to be married and did not want to go out and pick out a size 24 wedding gown. So I ate the cake at my um, engagement party, and then I found an OA meeting. I went, when I went to the OA meeting, um, you know, it was a spiritual program, but I had a spiritual relationship with God, and I, you know, didn't think I was going to be able to hear anything that would help me. But I heard people say, you know, we get on our knees every morning and we ask God for help. And then we at night we get on our knees again and we say thank you. And in all my years of, you know, um, going to going to church and having friends that, that you know, help me build a relationship with God to the best of my ability at that time. I never, ever, ever heard that before. But the other thing that I saw were there were people in the room that were like gems and diamonds. And, you know, I've later learned that every one of us is a gem and a diamond. But the the dignity and the sense of security and um, just peace and serenity that certain people had really attracted me. And um, later I found out those are people who are working this 12-step uh, recovery. And so in that, in that meeting, I heard somebody share, you know, what happened to them, what they were like, what happened, and uh, what they were like now. And uh, I, I had a lot of admiration and respect for that person. And so they, I asked them to sponsor me, and they gave me, um, you know, they gave me their phone number, and they gave me the number for a phone meeting. So I'm so grateful that phone meetings were part of my, um, my thing all along. But, uh, but they weren't working the 12 steps. And um, uh, thank God later they, they did find their way through, and that changed their life. And, and they're a treasured person in my, in my, um, in my circle today. But... I spent, you know, the next 10 years really trying to pursue this program. And when I came on A Vision for You, my very first meeting, you know, this is 11 years later, was they called this plain insanity. And I heard a message of depth and weight. And the, the words that I grabbed hold of, the stories that I heard that I could identify in, and the words I grabbed hold of were, we get we used to get our ease and comfort from food. Now we get our ease and comfort from God. That got me working these steps in a way I'd never had before. And by doing that, I cleared away the wreckage between myself and God. And I found the tools to survive life, to survive work and family and friendships and all of my um, all of my problems. I came in for the problem of food, and God gave me a plan for living. And um, so. That's me. <laughs> I drink like that. Thank you so much. Or I used to. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Who else would like to share on this Chris, paragraph? Chrissy. Chrissy M. Kim G. Gotcha. Leia. Leia. Janice. Janice P. Deanna B. Okay, I think we're probably going to, we're not going to probably get that quite that far. Let's go ahead and get started. Chrissy M., then Kim G., then Leia, then Janice P. Go ahead, Chrissy M. Hi, Sally. It's Chrissy M., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. That's me. I mean, that, that 
that feeling, that identification when I said, that's me, and went to my first OA meeting and felt home. It felt like I was home. That was the feeling that I got. And it was it was profound. It was deep because when I was doing what I was doing and really never hearing anyone speak about what I thought and did, never never on the outside world did I ever hear anybody talking about that stuff. So it was it, it is profound when another person who has the same thoughts and the same experiences says, Yes, you know, you're you know, the good news is the bad news is you're crazy and the good news is you're crazy, you know, because the bottom line is we found a way to re, to be restored to sanity. So so that that was like, you know, good news, bad news day. And it it's a long journey after that. And I, I just have to share for myself that I have to realize that my disease um, is is a disease of obsessions and compulsions, and the enemy lives within me. So for me, I I I need to bring things to God. I need to to go within myself and to learn how to trust myself. Mm, but not so much. Like not so much trusting myself all the time. That. I think for me, one day at a time, for the rest of the time that I have here, is going to be an important thing to remember and to know that the, the disease is within me, so I can't just be left to it myself, to make my own decisions about things in my life, because I don't have a good barometer of what's good for me. But with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Chrissy M. And Chrissy, you're up. Leia, you'll be more. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is... Kim, okay, we lost you. Let's give Kim. Can a you hear me? Can you hear me now, or I I can. Go ahead, Kim. Okay. Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Their drinking experiences. That's me. That's me. I drink like that. I think that's so essential that we we understand that we're passing on this disease of compulsive overeating. And I'm just going to give my personal experience. I came to my first meeting in 1994 in June, and the meeting was led by a woman who was an incest survivor. The entire meeting was about sexual abuse. There were three newcomers. The other two newcomers had sexual abuse history as well, and I never went back to a meeting for six months because I thought, well, I guess, I guess I'm supposed to have sexual abuse in my history if that's what the meeting's about, and I don't. And I have to tell you, my experience many times going into an OA meeting, if I didn't hear the 12 steps right at the beginning of the meeting, I wouldn't even know it was an OA meeting. Because most meetings are about their bosses, your kids, your dead cat, whatever that is. And I think it's so essential. They're, why are they identifying in? They're identifying in. He's identifying in because he drinks like that. The fact that Bill's a stockbroker from New York and Bob's a doctor from Akron is irrelevant to Bill D, who's a lawyer. But the drinking is what they identify in with. You know, if we look at Bill's story, um, you know, Bill had a pretty traumatic childhood, and, and some tragic things happened to him, but he starts that story with his drinking. Because the point is, do you identify in with the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind? I mean, we talk so much about do you relate to someone, and we're not here to relate to your life. We're all individuals. But do you relate in 
to the allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. So I'm just going to read a couple instructions from working with others about what that means. How are we going to help someone identify in, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. It says here, give them a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how it was accomplished. I mean, a sketch is a preliminary drawing giving essential features without details. We're fishing. We're trying to hook someone in. Commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell them how baffled you were, how you finally learned you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink. We suggest you do this as we have done in the chapter on alcoholism. If you are satisfied he's a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. The best description I heard recently by a, I'm an AA speaker describing the disease in one sentence is I can't eat safely and I can't be abstinent, abstinent contently. If you can identify in with that, then you might need this 12-step program. So once again, this is about our drinking experiences. That's me, that's me, I drink like that. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. And Leah, it's your turn. Janice P., you're up next. Leah M, you're up. <laughs> I can't hear you, Leah. Huh. So much, Sally. I don't think so. For an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences over and over. He would say, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. I mean, exactly, you know, this is the identification process, and this is what separates us, you know, from diet clubs or from visiting, uh, you know, medical experts is that, um, you know, we are a unique group of people, compulsive overeaters, and recovered compulsive overeaters are even more unique um, because we have recovered a very unique group of people who have had a very unique experience, a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And our text tells us that we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. How do we help others? By telling. It says, for an hour, the two friends told. So that's exactly what we do. This is where the identification process is so important. And in our history, of course, it was so important. I mean, Bill knew Ebby, and Bill knew how Ebby drank. And he realized that, you know, if Ebby was staying sober, some power greater than Ebby had to be working in Ebby's life. Something had to have happened to Ebby in that experience. And that's exactly true here as well. These men are sharing their drinking experiences um, you know, and that's exactly what I do when I carry a message. You know, food had burned me over and over and over again. But for some strange reason left to my own resources, I could not remember what binge foods did to me. I would get to thinking what it was going to do for me. And, of course, then again, I would pick up the bite. And just like this guy, uh, Bill D., when he drinks, he loses control. And when he doesn't drink, he loses control. Control. That's the cunning, baffling, and powerful nature of our illness. And 
when we speak to the still suffering, our aim is to kind of turn the screws. You know, we produce a crisis relating the seriousness of our own experience, and that is our power. It doesn't matter about our eloquence. It doesn't matter about any special individual skills that we may have. The only thing that matters is that we are a real compulsive overeater who has found a key to freedom a key to freedom, and this is our gift from God. And because it's been bestowed on us, we now have the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility and the pleasure to carry that message that, yes, I used to eat like that, and yes, I couldn't stay stopped either, but I no longer suffer from that condition. I have been freed, and uh, what a powerful message that can be for those who still suffer. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And Janice P. Janice P., you'll be our last share. And I'm sorry, Deanna. Um, I hope that you'll stick around and be the first share of our next meeting. Janice P. Good morning. Good morning, Sally. My name is Janice P. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to follow my dear Leah and and talk about you know, how it works. You know, I, I love, I love that the chapter about how it works doesn't come till page 60. You know, it doesn't come in the book until page 60 because we are being taught how this thing, how the message gets carried. You know, here, these these two men walked into this guy's room. You know, he's he's like, who are you fellows? Who are you fellows? Well, for an hour... They told them, they told him who they were. They were like him. They were like him. And, you know, that's what I needed to hear. I had heard plenty of people say, you, you, you. You need to do this, Janice. You need to do that, Janice. We'll help you. You need to do this. And that you, you, you never worked. It never worked. But here what worked was, These two men, for an hour, told about their own experiences. And as a result, Bill D. could say, Ha, they're like me. I'm like that. That's what I do. We help each other. We help each other. But the way in which we help each other is by being the same. And the big book is clear. We are a group who normally would not mix. We normally would not mix. In regular society, most of us would probably not encounter each other. Our lives perhaps would not cross, but they cross in this compulsive overeating. And, we, and you make lifelong friends. I guarantee it, you make lifelong friends because we recover together. And that's why. Why were they coming and telling their story? Not because they had some grandiose plans about saving the world, although they hoped that they could save some alcoholics. But they told their story because it helped them. First of all, it helped them. It kept them sober. They knew working with others kept them sober. So whether or not Bill D. got sober or not, the bottom line was they knew they would stay sober in telling their story and carrying the message. And then the beautiful, wondrous miracle of it was that this person could relate. And he could say, yes, I'm like you, 
but you're somewhere else. And they were going to tell him how they got to that somewhere else. And that was going to begin this whole thing and Bildi would become alcoholic number three, recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janice P. And again, Deanna B., I hope you'll stay and share with us in this, as the first um, share in the second hour. And with that, I'm going to say thank you to everyone who has shared. I would like to invite you all to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Anita J. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Sally. This is Anita J., a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join it. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.